0: the Vlad. here welcome to cat pick friday's episode number 47 and once again i'm joined by mr richard morgan hello richard are we at nam 2022
1: right now unlikely vlad because it was postponed it would indeed have been the second day of nam today friday but we gotta wait six more months five more months until june
0: yeah yeah, and even then it's not hundred percent sure whether it will a happen be whether I at least will be able to attend, so we shall see. <laughs> yeah, so I'm still not sure.
1: yeah, so many questions. Yeah. So much uncertainty. Do you think it's gonna happen? Are you at yes or no or don't know right now? Um I w- I would label myself
0: as pessimistic, let's put it that way.
1: Okay. Uh, in that case I'm, I will I'm, be on the flip side and label myself optimistic because I still think it's going to happen and I really want it to but let's see if it can't we'll we'll all have to understand that
0: yeah that is very true thank you so much for listening watching liking sharing subscribing all the YouTube and podcast things as always this episode is available both here on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts and Spotify on YouTube you're obviously getting the visual version you can get to see us You get to see the photos and stuff like that of what we're talking about. But we are also putting everything, like all the links, uh, videos, things like that, in the show notes as well. So even if you're listening on the podcast platforms, you'll be able to check out your kind of topics of interest there. Yeah. So links to everything in the show notes. And also, I should mention that this episode is brought to you by complete rock and metal songwriting by a good friend Trey Xavier, but more on that later in the show. Uh, speaking of the show, first of all, timestamps in the description, so if you want to jump to a certain topic, you can do that. And one more thing, if you want to have your question answered, you can email us at podcast at dot com. And we have a packed Packed, packed show today There's sad news of uh, Howard Alexander Dumbled Passing, uh, there's a Steve via Hydro guitar, Gibson Mastro pedals ESP Phase 1 guitars, D'Angelico Bedford guitars Walrus Audio Delay Walrus Audio Chorus or Modulation I'm not even sure what that pedal is Supposed to be, PRS SE Standard 24 Guitar, PRS Fishman Sonitone Pickup System for Acoustics that's a sentence I just managed to say and then there's a festival I think if it would be in Europe Rich and I both would probably attend even though we might be a bit embarrassed to admit it and nope. either we can
1: watch we're going to Never. answer the question you wouldn't? be embarrassed? no, ah, you I would go absolutely, but I would not be embarrassed there's no time for stuff like that okay. in life
0: yeah, that's that, that's that's true. That's actually very true. But yeah, more details <laughs> in the show and in the weekend watch. We're going to answer the question of whether miming your guitar playing on YouTube videos or social media videos is cheating or not. And we're going to use a really interesting video as a reference to that discussion. Mm-hmm. But I think it is time to jump to everyone's favorite segment of the week everyone's week? I don't know why I'm saying that I don't mind care, something like that, we can watch no, not we can watch should have drunk the second <laughs> cup of coffee I, was I thought thinking you were going to
1: should have drunk less beer before shooting this video but yeah, coffee too uh, th- that, there's
0: that as well Actually, I have to mention one thing that might happen any second now. I might get a deli- like package delivery, so if there's like a weird gap in the show. Uh, I'm expecting a pod go to arrive to my household today, which is
1: exciting. Pod go. And, sorry. sorry. I made I have to let it go. a joke that was instantly regrettable because it was terrible and unfunny. So let's hope no one uh, notices and... Proceed immediately. Yeah.
0: I will let it go, let it go. Don't remember it anymore. That almost rhymes. Yeah, recent happenings. Now, please. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, we're going to start off with some sad news because Howard Alexander Dumble, the legendary designer of Dumble amplifiers, has unfortunately past and for the amount of amplifiers he actually made it is incredible what a legacy he left it's it's really interesting like I don't think he even built like 100 of these amps or like the limited amount of amps he built was very little but these amps go for insane amount of money. Uh, very few companies have actually like successfully managed to replicate them. And some of the most legendary guitar players have played his amps. So, sad news for the guitar world.
1: Yeah, sad news indeed. And <clears throat> for someone like me working in the amplifier industry, he was a, an iconic and legendary and reclusive figure. You know, like you say, he made tens, if not hundreds of amplifiers. I think the exact number is unknown because, you know, he worked alone. He didn't have marketing or publicity because he didn't need it. And over the past few decades, you know, hype via word of mouth and via hearing the world's best guitarist playing his amps. And since, you know, 2000 or whatever, the internet, he's become this sensation, you know, and Dumble is a word for hugely expensive amplifier these days. When you think about his amps like the Overdrive Special, they they do occasionally appear on websites. And actually, last week, there was a Dumble amp on Reverb for sale, and it was $130,000. Mm. And Whoa. because of Howard Dumble passing away this past week, I expect the prices to go even higher. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very sad indeed. I mean... He was, as you said, a legendary amp designer, and I've spoken to a few people from the business. And Thomas Blug and me, we we spoke about it on the Academy of Tone live stream that we did on Wednesday a bit. And I think one of the things that made Howard Dumble so special was that he was an amazing listener, and he he truly personalised amplifiers for the people he was building them for. And I think a lot of the guitar players who wanted a Dumble amp would have to wait for Dumble to come to them and say, "Hey." I'm, I'm ready, I'm going to build you an amplifier. And you hear stories about how they would go over to his place, he would listen to them play for hours, and then he would go away, and he had this incredible sense of hearing, and he knew exactly how they played, how their picking dynamics were, how they approached amplifiers, and what they wanted from their tone. And Dumble himself apparently was not using the best of the best super boutique you know, parts for his amplifiers. It was stuff that I've heard you could buy in Radio Shack, you know, it was standard pieces of equipment, Mm. diodes and transformers and bits and pieces and whatever. But it was the way that he put them together to work for an individual guitarist that made them so unique and so special. And that is his legacy, you know. He's built amps for Santana and Robin Ford. And I think players like Joe Bonamassa and John Mayer have also had Dumble Amps in their collections. And this is how he will be remembered, a true, a true legend of the amplifier world. The one interesting thing for me is that because the amps that Dumble built were always so tailored for the individual player, it does surprise me in a way that they get sold onto other people for so much money, because if an amp is tailored for one specific person's playing style and instrumentation, then it's, it's not going to work in the same way for another player. And that's also probably why so many other companies have not quite got the magic of the Dumble amplifiers yet because they're building them to be sold to the general public, whereas Dumble amps were built to yeah. be played by one specific player. I think I'm waffling a little bit, but, but, but that's a very sort of potted history of it. There's, there's plenty of information online <laughs> about Dumble and a few moving tributes to him online already, and I think there will be more to come. But yeah, sad times. We, we've lost another <clears throat> industry legend.
0: Yeah, I think what also makes it interesting, and uh, something you mentioned with you earlier, is like, even though Dumble, uh, kinda, he built every amp for that particular player, yet still, like, if somebody say, says that, okay, this sounds like a Dumble, uh, it does mean a certain type of sound. Like, associated like like this mysterious, clean-ish sound, with like a very thick sound, with like a bit of hair on top of it, that kind of thing. Like that's the yeah, double like sound.
1: Yeah, pushed fender amp with a tube screamer in front of it. That's that's always <laughs> how I <laughs> kind of think of it. But it's it's Kinda. more magical than that in a way, isn't it? It's yeah. also partly down to the fact that pretty much exclusively incredible guitar players play his amps, and they sound fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, have you ever played a Dumble amp lad? I'm guessing no, because not many of us have, but
0: uh, no, I haven't played like an actual Dumble. I guess the closest I've gotten to a real Dumble was, uh, what's the company name? I think they use based company. They kind of do a lot of Dumble variations uh, to rock, I think, oh I yeah, think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. I think I played their amps at Nam 2020 Winnie Winnie. And I actually shot the video with them as well, but I messed up the audio recording so badly while I was there. Like I was just clipping beyond repair that I never released the video, which is sad because those amps sounded absolutely fantastic and I kind of tried to capture my initial reactions to those amps. And yeah, like this thick, round, slightly overdriven, clean sound, which kind of sounds clean, but kind of doesn't, And super dynamic, like, if your playing technique sucks, that amp will reveal all of the issues you have with your playing technique immediately, because it's very kind of transparent, if you will. I'm putting that in quotes. But yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's weird that, as I mentioned, or as I started my part of the rant, (laughs) uh, there's a double sound, like, double sound means something. The same way I'd say, like, a Marshall sound or a Fender sound, like, people... Put it in the right ballpark, I'd say. So yeah, like, the same with Dumble. Even though it's like, as we just talked about, like he built each amp for that individual player. But I guess there's similarities bit like between the amps he built. Just like tweaking it to the Joe Bonamassa's or Stevie Ray's or Robin Fords of the world. Uh yeah, I think uh I don't remember which company Robin Ford is with now, but I think, yeah, all of his like current amp iterations are kind of based on that Dumble sound, I think, yeah, but yeah, this is sad news, and also, as Rich just mentioned. Uh, this means that the prices of these amps will probably just skyrocket. Yeah,
1: exactly there, exactly. there will be no more dumbles. Exactly. There won't be any more. So, yeah, I yeah. Just of, another I, interesting point is that he was yeah, so reclusive yeah. that there was an image of him posted just last year by a guitar player whose name. I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe the image is there in the article that you're looking at right now, Vlad, but that was taken at Dumble's Workshop in 2021. And that was the first image of him, kind of publicly, sort of officially, sort of recognized image in 30 years. So that's the kind of yeah. character he was. Yeah. He could have, of course, gone into the mainstream and made millions and millions with a dumble mm. brand and had a shiny website and done youtube videos and marketing and become a multimillionaire but he did things the way he wanted to so mm. yeah a unique character
0: yeah that's the thing and yeah his legacy will live on and as i mentioned like dumble sound means certain type of sound that i think he helped to create so yes And inspired so many great musicians to play even better. But yeah, it's always sad when someone like this passes. And also that fact that like the weird side effects of like his creations being like super expensive now and like even less accessible. Because there will be no more Dumble Ambers. Yeah. it's, It's kind of, I don't know, darker side of things, I guess. Guess, yeah. Uh, I'm not 100 sure where to go with this, so let's talk about something else. That's well, it's not sad, but it's absolutely crazy. Steve Vai <laughs> debuts a triple-neck vacuum tube-equipped Hydra guitar with ibanes, and I think you kind of need to see a photo to get a full grasp of what on earth is this because it's. It's like, there's a slight guitar, like a fretless guitar. There's an actual guitar. There's a harp. There's a bass. And that bass is like half fretted, half fretless. And there's vacuum tubes are in there as well for something. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, there's a 12-string in it as well. It's quite something. <laughs> uh I don't think you can put that one
1: in a gig bag just saying you would hope that this guitar ships with its own case or bag yeah although good luck trying to, to get that you know into the back of your car or taking it on a train to a gig or anything like that <laughs> yeah you wouldn't um yeah I, I don't know, like some
0: some companies just like to create something like this just to showcase their craftsmanship, and I'm fine with that. It it looks absolutely incredible, and I think if there would be like a guitar player to play this, I think Steve Vai is exactly the person to do it. So yeah, exactly. Why not? (laughs) Uh, Which actually brings me back to like it's super cool to see Steve Vai back in action again after his hand injury. Mm-hmm. Did he break his hand or like whatever he had with his hand? Like, it's really cool to see him back. So, yeah. Uh, and also, so can you actually the buy NFT this guitar? Version. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, I I think the yeah the last article mentions that the buyer of the NFT will not receive a physical instrument. That's that's good clarification. So I don't think you can buy this. You can oh buy wait, the so NFT. he has the
1: guitar and there is, they're selling an NFT, which is going to be... Yes. Oh, is the video there, the, the NFT? I'm not really sure I understand NFTs, but interesting. It's like a virtual thing that you can maybe own. I...
0: I think we both, you and I, have transitioned to the stages of our lives where we've. There are some things where we go like, I don't understand this, <laughs> and I don't really care that much to be, to like really get into it either. And NFTs are one of those things for me, at least.
1: So it seems. Yeah, same here. We're just getting a little bit old, unfortunately. But yeah, the the video. For those who are just listening to this, we're kind of watching it now. I heartily recommend that you click on and find a video of this instrument because us describing it, I think for 30 minutes, would probably not even do justice to what a kind of... I'm going to say monstrosity in a way this guitar is, and I don't mean that in a totally negative sense. It is... I don't know. It's kind of a bit steampunk as well. It's just... Yeah, it's it, like it's, a science fiction version of a guitar that would be built for an alien being with six arms or something. <laughs> this is I really some don't know what it what is. It. It, has, it has all sorts it. of stuff built into it. And I, for one, am really looking forward to seeing Steve Vai try and make anything remotely musical with it, which I'm sure he will.
0: Yeah. There's an Ethernet port as well
1: in the guitar. What? What? What are you supposed to do with that? Yeah, it has MIDI too <laughs> and an optional lamp input. So <laughs> Of course. Well done Ibanez. Like I think a lot of people are talking about this guitar.
0: Yes, it's really really cool. It's a monster in light of in many senses. And yeah, as I mentioned, the cool thing is like I know for a fact that Steve Vai will create something cool with it because he's Steve Vibe. He Yeah, and of course as we this just being
1: the Nem week this would have been the guitar that would have been the showcase instrument on their oh booth that everybody would have been queuing up to take pictures of. That's probably yeah, why this was created and released now.
0: Yeah, and I've been, it's like, two times I've been to Nam. like, their booth was, like, both times their booth was one of the best. Yeah, yeah. And just so many cool things to check out, so. You uh, just made me a little bit sad that
1: Nam isn't happening right now. So apologies but we do seem to have lots of gear releases which
0: that is, is interesting because really it means
1: that a lot of companies have chosen to release stuff at the time they originally would have at the time of the original Nam show.
0: Yeah and speaking of that Gibson has unveiled a Maestro pedal range and these look for those listening these are like three knobs plus a foot switch plus maybe like a small like mini toggle switch on the pedal. Uh, this kind of cool, very retro design. There's uh, five different pedals. There's a Fuzz, Tone, master Range, Overdrive, Comet Chorus, Discoverer Delay, and Invader Distortion. And based on the sound clips I checked out, uh, they, sound, they look retro and they sound retro. And I, did I see the price somewhere? Because... If $150, dollars, like I think s- they are. 150 Yeah. A bit more than I'm maybe hoping for, but I think this will sell.
1: I believe so, too. Just like, There's a few interesting yeah. things about these, by the way. Do you remember, first of all, a few months ago on this very show, we discussed a legal issue that was happening because mm. Gibson had jumped in to stop another company using the Maestro name. Now we know why.
0: Ah,
1: because that's they were actively in pre-production that. of this line of pedals.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. now it makes even more sense.
1: Yeah. So, and uh, uh, I find this to be a pretty cool reintroduction of the line. The Maestro effects were kind of quite legendary, yeah. a bit niche, but quite legendary. Specifically, the the FZ fuzz, the FZM, as mm-hmm. it's called here. That was the one that Keith Richards brought into worldwide consciousnesses by using on I Can't Get No Satisfaction and that was one of the very first uses of Fuzz in a rock and roll guitar way. So, that's cool to see. The other interesting thing is that the other legendary Maestro pedal is a Phaser pedal and that is not part of this launch. So, the question is, have they chosen not to do that or will it be coming later and will it be priced differently? But yeah, Yeah. I, I like the look of this range. It's kind of it fits with Gibson to me in a way. It's kind Mm. of nostalgic, rock and roll, quite pure and they look and sound good. I've watched a few videos of these and they they sound nice. And again, if you guys want to hear the original fuzz pedal, go over to the Blue Guitar YouTube channel and watch the fuzz show that we shot this Wednesday. Because Thomas (laughs) and me played a bunch of old fuzz pedals.
0: Yeah, links in the show notes. Yeah, Yeah, apologies for uh,
1: self-marketing at this point. I think
0: that's it's kind of We're allowed to do a bit of self-marketing, I think. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna as you just mentioned. I'm also going to say that this will sell well, uh, because it's actually like I'm gonna say like it's fairly rare nowadays. Like when somebody releases a new pedal range, where you go, "Oh, these look different, but also cool," because feels like a lot of the new pedal releases, like they might look different, but that necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean it looks good yeah. but I think they've managed to find a great balance between like retro uh, standing out from the crowd and also offering like um, basic enough pedal range where a lot of people will want to use this and I think Gibson is like slowly starting to transition into the thing, like the only thing they're missing right now is like amp range which might be coming actually i'm going to predict that it might be actually coming at some point and we'll use this episode as proof because <laughs> i think they lo- they might be looking at fender and go like okay this is what fender has been doing for years and years maybe we could do that as well yeah it's even really with interesting. all the con- yeah carry on sorry yeah because like even with all the controversy they've had over the past few years Feels like a lot of stuff has kind of calmed down a little bit now. Like maybe it, it wasn't like a brilliant start for the new CEO or anything like that. But now it feels like that they actually have a like some sort of plan and direction because this is a very smart release from them. I think I could see them releasing an amp as well. And obviously, they've as we talked about on the show many times, they have a bunch of new artists. And like gigantic artists on their roster now, just getting Kirk Hammett to join, for example, is a huge deal. And same goes for Dave Mustaine, and they, them putting out like signature guitars—that's a huge win. Yeah, and, yeah. If if they put out an amp, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: No, in a way, it it's... wouldn't surprise me either, because like you say, they're they're doing a lot in other areas of the market right now. And I think COVID's yeah. actually been quite good for them, in a sense, yeah. because it's enabled them to not do weird, controversial things, a few of which they had done before mm. COVID hit. You know, we did have a few kind yeah. of weird videos that were made, kind of strange legal threats that they made. There was that video that came out of the, um, the Caterpillar tract construction vehicle crushing a bunch of was it oh, Firebird X's? Stuff like that yes. happened. And since COVID, they've kind of quietly gone about their business and acquired a bunch of signature artists and new models are coming out. And Epiphone are doing great things. Don't forget on the app front, they purchased Mezabugi. So they are kind of that doing stuff true. there. But the question is, is Mega Boogie, <laughs> is Mega Mega Boogie, Boogie <laughs> widely kind of... Market acceptable in the same way as a Gibson amplifier would be. So, will they try and do Gibson amps? I don't know. It's an interesting question, but it would not surprise me either at some point to see that.
0: Yeah, uh, I could see. Like, I think Mr. Boogie will run or Mega Boogie, as I want to call it now, because it sounds fun. Like, it sounds like a like a cool song that you want to listen to as well, <laughs> kind of Boogie Wonderland style. Uh, anyway. Uh I could see them using Mesabogui's expertise to design an amp range that might either be well, they could have like a Far East versions of them maybe even in the future. Yeah. And then maybe have like a US made, made like Gibson amp. Because they like Randall Smith is a great, great amp designer. So having him in the house certainly helps. So, yeah, this actually like affirms my prediction that they will probably release an amp within the next few years. Well, you heard it here first. At least we think you heard it here first. There's a chance somebody <laughs> else have thought of this as well, but we're going to pretend like we are the first. And back to the Maestro pedals, these look cool. And speaking of things that look cool, ESV, ESV ESP. Has released the phase one of the guitar range and <laughs> they put out 43 different guitars. Uh, I don't think we can cover all of them, but we're checking out the article on musicradar.com and let's just browse through the models. Like, I think all of these we're talking about the LTD models right now. So First of all, there's an Arrow series that I actually didn't realize existed. It looks a bit like the Alex Laiho Le- signature guitars we talked about, but mm-hmm. this headstock is reverse and the body shape might be a little bit different. Floyd Rose, uh, the Arrow 2000 and there's Arrow 2000 and Arrow 200 models I think, and the 1000 range of LTDs is really high quality instruments. I think we talked about a few signature instruments from different artists a few weeks ago. And those are like professional level guitars made in Korea, I think. And then the 200 range is more affordable version of that. Yeah. Uh, the article calls this guitar shape a super aggressive V shape. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find it super aggressive?
1: Yeah, it's quite pointy. I feel like if I was to have one of these guitars in my home, I'd want to put some uh, some soft cork over the ends of the V's just to make sure I didn't, you know, gouge out the eyes of any family members or anything like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've witnessed for firsthand a guitar tech repairing one of the V guitars because, like, yes, one of the horns had like really cracked, and he was fixing that, and actually ended up repainting the whole guitar. By the request of the customer. (laughs) You need large space to play these, I think. You do. Unless you're always playing in the classical position.
1: Yeah. I mean, super aggressive shaped guitars and obviously for more metal influenced playing. Mm. But if you look at the last paragraph there, they mentioned that these guitars have a thin U-shaped neck. I'm quite surprised that a guitar like this would have a U-shaped neck. I mean, I'm not mm. the world's biggest expert on metal guitars, but do they normally have U-shaped necks?
0: I didn't think I, so. I would usually associate D-shaped necks with that one.
1: Yeah, me too. A U is going to be kind of a, a deeper profile, isn't it? And therefore less yeah. quick, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, there's a single volume
0: control with a push-pull function. Uh, the 1000 model apparently comes with a Fishman modern homebuckers. standard, nice. Fishman is everywhere now with all in all the metal. Yeah, guitars. those
1: Fluence pickups—they were initially, I think, a little bit kind of skeptically received, mm. but now they're just everywhere, you know. Mm. And they're great pickups. Yeah,
0: have you tried any guitars with those pickups?
1: Yes, yes, I have. I've tried, funnily enough, some probably less popular ones, some fretking guitars with Fluence pickups in because they did some ranges of those with. Um, they're country squires, which is like a, a Telecaster model, mm. for example, and you'd have different voicings within those for more classic tones, and they're just really, really good. And I've heard yeah. only good things about people who use them for more metal type stuff.
0: Nice. Yeah, I think my best experience with those has been uh, at the Spirit Contus or so the Houston Event. We were both at in 2019. What are years anyway? 2019, yes. Uh, so so Jack Pre- Fliegler, how do you pronounce his last name? Yep. Fliegler. Toxic, yeah, toxic accidently. He had his ESP. He's an ESP artist, and he had his ESP LTD with him, and that one had the Fishman Fluence pickups, and I got to try it through like a gigantic triamp head, and it sounded great. Really like unlike EMGs that I. A little bit dislike, like at least like the classic eighty one. Uh, this one had like dynamics and warmth of like a classic high gain, like normal pickup. And obviously, you can do all kind of switching and stuff like that with it. I was really impressed. Like if and when I'm going to get myself like a proper shredder guitar, I'm most likely putting some Fishman influences on it because I've been really impressed with those pickups. And you can get those. Yeah. With your Arrow Series ESP LTD. And moving on to the other models, EC Series. So the kind of single cut version, an absolute classic. There's a nice, like, is that like a vintage white, vintage gold satin finish? Interesting.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, I could actually see a lot of metal players liking that as well. I have owned an EC 1000, it's great. The neck profile just wasn't for me, in the end. But yeah, great guitars. There's an M series guitar in Metallic in Metallica Gold. So specifically Metallica Gold, not Metallic
1: Metallica or gold. Metallica Gold. Or is there? A, I, I, is bl- there a I believe that of... was a mistake. Yeah, or maybe not. <laughs> They've written it twice. But there's a Metallic Purple and a Metallica Gold. Surely I it would have to be just, in some way related to Metallica if it was Metallica Gold. I mean, this is not some kind of signature model, is it, that we don't know about? No.
0: No. But Kirk Hammett is playing the M series of ESPs. Interesting. Yeah. I don't see any Metallica references in the article otherwise. Weird. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, a nice, and simple guitar, a bridge humbug, a Floyd Rose volume knob, and some sort of switch that does uh, push pull. Oh, a coil uh, I, I was looking at
1: or... it and thinking it would be a kill switch. Oh, but maybe it's a be? coil split or something. Yeah. Yep, coil split.
0: Yeah. Nice and simple guitar. H uh, series uh, with an Evertune. Evertune is also in a lot of guitars nowadays. c through purple, quilted maple top, solid mahogany body. And set through a three-piece maple neck. And this also comes with a thin U profile. I guess that's something that modern guitar, like modern metal players want to have. Maybe. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they've done their research on this one. And again, Fishman Fluence pickups, H3 series, which is, well... It looks a bit like the Horizon series of ESP. This looks like a baritone to me. or ah, oh, It's a seven-string... Do they mention the scale length anywhere? I don't see. Yeah,
1: yeah the, it, the body it shape definitely of that looks, like, it looks like a bass to me. And I think that's probably <laughs> why it looks a bit like a baritone. It does look ah, long-scale, yeah, doesn't it?
0: It's a seven-string baritone. That's why ah, it looks like that then it makes a lot more sense. 7-string yeah. baritone sounds... Well, it, it will probably intonate better than like a standard scale-length 7-string or so. Yep. Says so a guy who wants to get a 7-string, less ball-type guitar from Epiphone, the Matt Eve signature. So. <laughs> to each their own. And then there's this cool kind of Firebird-style Phoenix series. Firebird, Phoenix... Well, done
1: ESP. I like that. Clever. yeah, looks
0: in a very, very fashionable classic.
1: silver burst finish. That seems to be a thing
0: as of late. Yeah. A lot of companies are putting out silver bursts.
1: Why not? I think the Adam Jones Les Paul really put that finish back into the public public consciousness. Yeah. You're seeing it everywhere. It is a very cool finish when
0: it's done right. It is. Yeah, like With that finish, I mean, you could play that on a metal gig, you could play that uh, at a, well, maybe not like a jazz gig, but like any rock, country, anything like that gig as well, I think it would fit there just fine.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, It's a cool finish. Uh, Viper Series, so they kind of take on SG type of guitar.
1: Yeah.
0: I've owned that kind of guitar as well. I've had the... Vibe at 200, I think. And I like the guitar until I realized, like, when you play standing up with that one, like the strap pin would pretty much press my diaphragm. Yeah. And if you know anything about singing, like, if you have something pressing your diaphragm when you're trying to sing, that's not good. It made it difficult for me. So I I moved on from that one. Uh, TE series looks like a telly with two humbuckers.
1: Yep. Nice. or a Tele type. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I like that. We'd actually would love to try one out and see how it compares compared to some other two humbugger equipped. Yep. Um, something I didn't know ESP had is an SN series, so it's like a, a HSS type of guitar, and the volume part is moved a bit more further away than on a <coughs> Strat. <laughs> but this also comes with the Everton bridge, which is interesting.
1: Oh, so it's a yeah. hardtail strat type. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Maybe I like the first modern... line of this text here. The SN series is another movable feast. What does that mean? <laughs> What's a movable feast in guitar But, terms? I but anyway, I'm I think, what to think mean is there are very many different options four different new models with different specifications and features. And that's what constitutes yeah. a movable feast.
0: Yeah, let's go with that one. I have no better information. Yeah, on that. but wow, yeah. what
1: a whole bunch of new instruments. I don't know if we know, we're, we're still not at the end.
0: We're not done yet, because then there's the EX series, which is um, this kind of explorer type of shape with a reverse headstock. That is very metal, and again, you need like a proper case to keep that guitar safe.
1: Because <laughs> I like pointy. the text on this one as well. Sharp, pointed, angular, and certainly not designed as a jazz guitar. <laughs> uh, I f- I
0: feel like when some the person was writing this article, like the later in the article, they got, uh, like they were just like, I'm just going to type this. Nobody's going to notice. Like, it just gets, gets more and more absurd. Uh, then, the yeah, a Explorer-type guitar with a single humbucker in the bridge. And I there's, like, a seven-string version of that as well. And again, comes with... I'm checking out the pickups. Uh, where was the... It has an EMG-81, actually. Interesting. Why does this have the MJ-81? Every other guitar has a Fishman influence. Said We do not know. And then there's a guitar that's clearly a tribute to Finland, because first of all, it's called F-series. And if you take a look at the body shape of this guitar, and then we look at the map of Finland, You've that guitar body shape is... I, I did. I prepared my uh-huh. joke in advance. <laughs> it's like a reverse Finland shape, basically. Like if you take Finland's like if you take Mouth Finland and like just like mirror image it, it looks like the shape of the F series guitar. Coincidence. Right.
1: I don't think so. I'd have called it the reverse Finland. I think that's catchier than the F series, <laughs> but there is a I reverse like firebird, isn't there? Why not a reverse Finland? Yes, exactly. I mean, it's just,
0: it makes sense. F-series. Maybe it was designed for a Finnish guitar player. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. That, that that guitar shape actually looks a bit uncomfortable to play. There's like random horns here and there, like pointy bits. But I might be wrong. And I mean, people seem to be buying these because they just keep making them. So yeah, even though it's, I was a very interesting it,
1: design. I don't think I've ever seen yeah. one of those.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen one in real life, I think. And running up out of the 2022 Phase 1 release, there's an acoustic, what is this? LTD TL6. So it's like an acoustic guitar, but not quite. A very interesting looking guitar. I think you should, like if you're listening to the podcast version, you should probably check this out because it's really hard to describe. It's like uh, so single yeah. cut
1: shape, but yeah, kind of almost Les Paul silhouetty sort of shape. But you've got a large yeah. kind of tail fin shaped F hole. Mm. There's no visible pickup inside, but we can see that there's. I guess it must be a piezo bridge, and you've got an acoustic pickup system on the top there. I'm guessing it's a Fishman. Is there any information there? No, yeah, a Fishman no, Sonic no. or pickup with a TL3 oh, preamp okay. featuring an onboard tuner. So, this is designed mm. for people playing live acoustic guitar who still want to look a bit metal, I would guess. It's actually quite a beautiful <laughs> yeah. instrument. It
0: is. It is. I, I would love to hear how it sounds because it, it's looks wise, it's very untraditional, but. It would be very interesting to
1: see, yeah, how wide the body is. Is this the width of a traditional Les Paul style guitar, or is it slightly wider, or is it halfway? You know, is it something like the (laughs) the Fender Strat or Teleacoustics in terms of body thickness? I'm just thinking about if you bought one of these, would you ever kind of noodle with it indoors, or is it something exclusively to, to use plugged in in a live situation?
0: Yeah. That is a very huge question, but I mean, this is just phase one. I have no idea, like, how many guitars they plan to release in 2022?
1: <laughs> 43 releases in January, and that's just phase one. Yeah, They've been planning yeah, this for, for a long time, and again, I feel sorry for ESP that they couldn't show this off at a very impressive booth at the NAM show, because mm. I always like going to the ESP booth, despite the fact that I know not that much about most of the models here. It's always great to go and look at. Yeah, you know they're exactly. always kind of they're always upstairs, up the escalators, away from the main hall, and they mm-hmm. have kind of a dark, blacked out room. And it's like going into an exclusive metal guitar shop, and everything's just on the walls, and it it's beautifully done. I I really really like looking yeah. at the ESP booth.
0: The thing in twenty twenty, Engel guys were at the ESP booth as well, and it just made sense to have them there as well. Okay. I think kind of angle yeah, yeah, and they, they ES guitars match yeah. perfectly. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, before we take a short commercial break, let's discuss D'Angelico Bedford guitars, and these are like up, riches alley or some something like that. These look cool. These kind of retro offset shapes. Um,
1: yeah. Oh look at that! Yeah, these are, yeah, look, these, are oh. these are super cool guitars. They look a little bit like if Salvador Dali did a painting of a jazz <laughs> yes. master, like a yes. slightly ha- melted pers- Fender offset guitar yeah. with the D'Angelico headstock. Obviously,
0: yeah. Having person having actually like gone to the Salvador Dali exhibition in Paris.
1: Like, yes, I totally agree. Oh, have you been to a Dali exhibition? I, I've never yes. been to one, but would love to. I think his yeah, dedicated enough to museum it is it was. in Sevilla. I'm not sure where it is, but at some point I will go. But that's for yeah. the Cat Pick art podcast that we're going to start this year. That's a separate show. We're here that to talk true. about guitars. And Are you really familiar with De Angelico? Have you played many? Because, again, I've only played D'Angelico guitars at the Nam show and only kind of more recent, more affordable d'angelico guitars?
0: Yeah, to me it's like I know them more as a brand than like having actually played the guitars. Yeah. And I was think to they change were originally that.
1: they were more known as being kind of a jazz sort of instrument, mm. you know, and they made exquisite high-end guitars, but the guitars that we're looking at now, these new releases, they're priced at about 850 to to $1000. The the cheaper ones so they're definitely into more affordable territory and it's something that you mm. can definitely consider kind of up against something like a fender player model for example
0: yeah. and they're very different compared to anything fender releases so yeah they're like a good price point and like the way they position themselves market wise it just makes sense I, I like yeah. this I would love to try one out
1: beautiful instruments I I really love the way that we're seeing more retro designs come back and become more Mm. popular again. There have been other brands doing that, you know. Italia Guitars have been doing it for quite a long time, and we're seeing a few kind of smaller builders do that too, and some new brands like Revolta, for example, who are making brilliant offset instruments that play like 21st century guitars, but kind of look like something from the 60s, you know, a pawn shop Mm. guitar or whatever. So these D'Angelico ones, they, they look great, and I'm sure they play great and... The one worry I would have about them just looking at them, which is probably totally unfounded, is the fact that they have a rather large headstock, these guitars, and I feel like you might have some neck dive like on an SG. Especially mm, when we're that, looking at the true. semi-hollow guitars that are in that image on the screen yeah. right now. That would be my yeah, one that, worry, that, but I think that, that's something you can get around with a decent strap anyway.
0: That's true. Yeah, but I, I do dislike guitars with a neck dive so... Yeah. And a lot of the time I play sitting down because I'm recording or anything like that, so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But, I don't know, I, I find myself being drawn to this uh, red offset one, the semi-hollow one with a tremolo bridge and HSS configuration.
1: It's a mini humbucker,
0: Ah, mini humbucker. No, even better. That makes it even better then, because... It's yes, an like, unusual
1: I'll, kind of unique configuration.
0: Yeah. I bet, I bet that will they? be a super popular, like a worship guitar. They seem to lean towards that type of instruments.
1: Oh, right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so I like this. I like this a lot. And yeah. before we dive to some other cool things, I would from our sponsor. This Cat Pick Friday's episode is sponsored by How Songs Are Made and the brand new complete rock and metal songwriting course. How Songs Are Made is created by a good friend of the show, Trey Xavier, who is probably best known for his Gear Guts YouTube channel. If you ever watch this channel, you know when it comes to rock or metal songwriting, Trey knows what he's talking about. Whether it's his cover songs, random drum groove songwriting videos, or his song critique live streams, Trey has helped countless of songwriters to get better at their craft and now he has put all of his knowledge into one beast of a course called Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting Course. And by complete, I mean complete. Here are some of the things you'll learn in this course. How to write a song starting from any small bit of an idea. How to generate inspiration from nothing. How to use tension and release to structure your song for maximum impact. How to add layers of vocals and harmonies. How to write guitar riffs and create variations for each part of the song. How to write melodies from chords and chords from melodies, even if you have zero music theory knowledge. How to create drum parts that move the song and do not get in the way. How to write catchy, memorable and emotional lyrics that grab the listener. How to become a prolific songwriter through songwriting philosophy and mind. Now is the time to take that next or your first step in songwriting journey and put those ideas in your head into reality. To sign up for complete rock and metal songwriting and support Catholic Fridays, please use the link in the show notes. Happy songwriting. And we are back. And as I mentioned, more fun things to discuss because we'll Audio Update the D1 delay with new D1 high fidelity delay. Because... The standard one just wouldn't do, you need to have it in high fidelity. What does that actually (laughs) mean?
1: I think it's just kind of a a slight tweaking of the original D1 delay, which itself was fairly new, I believe, a year or two at most. Yeah. And we can see from the text that... Yeah, hmm, right. Yeah, The high-fidelity delay includes a new stereo width control that gives Ah. its D1 two different widening types, panning and a higher stereo effect. There's a revised reverse program for a stronger effect, a revised vintage program to emulate a tape delay, and an added USB functionality for firmware updates. So they basically effectively give it a bit of a tweaking. Hmm... Yeah,
0: I personally, like I've mentioned this before, I do not like the fact that if I had bought this, like the previous version of this pedal, five months ago, now there's an updated version that kind of, I don't want to say fixes, but kind of adds new stuff to it. I don't like it. Especially like, because as you mentioned, the D1, like the original version, isn't that old. It's a, maybe, it was out like maybe a year ago Mm or something like that Um, I don't like it just gonna say that because it kind of makes like if I had the original version it makes it uh, worth less even on the used market now because there's a new one which does more
1: yeah I I know exactly what you mean like it would be different if this would be like a deluxe version of the pedal
0: so they like added an extra foot switch and or maybe something else and then Different, but like almost like doing the software version of like a like a software update version of like a, but in hardware, I would be angry if I would be an yeah, owner of an original D one.
1: That's what I was going to say. If it was a completely sort of revised second version, for example, or a deluxe version, I think a lot more. D1 owners would be more comfortable with it. But I could totally mm. imagine the frustration if you'd bought this recently and suddenly there's a new version which is better or has increased options, yep. then you might feel a little bit aggrieved. Yeah. From a purely disconnected perspective, though, I've played the original D1 and it is a fantastic pedal. So mm. if we're not thinking about you know, the updates or anything like that, I'm sure this sounds wonderful. You know, it has many different delay options. You've got presets. It's a very, very cool pedal.
0: Yeah, and I bet they've done their research. Like, the fact that they keep doing this means that not that many people are actually mad. I think like with every update they would release, they would get like a, a lot of angry emails from people like, hey, why did you do this? Uh, I just bought the previous version and now it's obsolete type of stuff. Obviously they wouldn't do the do this, but and I think we thought about this with JHS as well. Like they probably know their customer base and they know that the customers don't mind. And as long as the original one is also a great pedal, it's probably not really an issue, but it kind of annoys me on like a principle level
1: at least. Yeah, like, well, as a user, I, I totally agree. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I was like, I have very little knowledge,
0: like personal experience with Walrus audio pedals, which I would love to be able to change. But I don't know if we have anyone in Finland who's a dealer for those. Maybe one shop, but I don't think they will be interested to work with a YouTuber. They kind of have their own YouTube channel thing going on. So yeah. That uh, speaking of Rolos audio they also released the M1 high fidelity modulation machine. And it was just last week ago we talked about the Salute War multi texture reverb. Well, there's another kind of texture thing going on, and the M1 sounds fantastic. And if you want to check out like what it actually does, Abade Irik from Living Room Gear Demos has released a video on the M1. Oh, it is unavailable <laughs> which by is now unavailable. but there will be... <laughs> actually, well, not to go into details, but I know why it is unavailable. Actually, it is available again. Let me get back to this. Yeah. Things happened, and I know why it wasn't available uh, but it's available now yeah check out Eirik's video first of all i absolutely love his concept of uh taking a pedal creating sounds with it and then pairing those sounds with fantastic visuals Eirik is a video production professional and you can tell it's really like creates sonic and visual atmospheres and i love that way of demoing a pedal so yeah i yep, highly recommend I check you check out pedal this too
1: I watched this pedal, I watched this video too, and it it perfectly demonstrates the pedal. And Eric's eye for visuals and his eye for cool tones are married up together very, very well here. And it induces a lot of gas in me to get this pedal. So a a very cool way of doing it, you know, accompanying these sounds with such kind of arty yet everyday images. It's a mm. very, very cool idea. So yeah, I, I would heartily recommend that everyone goes and watches that video. If you're not into modulation, just watch it as a as a piece of filmmaking almost and appreciate yeah. the soundtrack. Very, very cool. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. on this on this M one you've got a bunch of different modulations, right? Is it eight different sounds that you have?
0: So. Yes think so... Sorry, six.
1: Six effects.
0: Well, that that's not enough. I want eight. I'm out.
1: Well, the, the, there are other modulation pedals available that have, for example, 11. Like the Electroharmonics yeah. one, and there's the, the one for Terraform, which has more. But these are probably the most popular ones. You've got Chorus, Phaser, uh, Tremolo, and a couple more, but you've clicked away, so I can't read the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about Chorus, that. Phaser, Tremolo, Vibrato, Rotary, and Filter. Nice. Those are the six pedals, six yeah. sounds. Sorry, yeah. and I really get like, like excited. Yeah,
0: go
1: ahead. I was going to say, as you can hear, it's not just those basic effects either. If you'll look at the de- the demo that Irik has done, you'll hear that there are different effects that you can add in to kind of expand the tonalities of those six effects too. So you've got different sort of reverb effects, you've got kind of preamp kind of saturation sounds that you can add in. It's a very, very cool pedal. It offers many, many different sounds. Mm.
0: Yeah, Uh, I really get like super excited about something like one, like really want to have pedal, but this video paired with this footage this video paired with this footage, this demo, like both sonically paired with beautiful visuals, sold it to me. And I know Eric loves this kind of, I want to say, de type of stuff on his video as well. It makes it look a bit more retro. And uh, we've discussed a lot with, about this stuff with him. Like, it just looks and sounds amazing and makes me want to go to Norway one of these days. I've only driven through Norway a couple of times. Uh, while sitting on a bus. So, I, I, w- I wouldn't actually say I've been to Norway. <laughs> in the I've been to Norway in a technical sense. Because I've driven through Norway, but that's it. I want to go there. It <laughs> so looks cool. Yeah, highly, highly recommended that you check out this video. And I need to see if I can find a dealer somewhere in Finland. I want to check out this pedal. Me too. I need it. I didn't know I would need it, but I know I need it. And th- some other things that we may or may not need and uh, may or not, may not want. Uh, PIRES introduces tonally flexible SE Standard 2408 according to the Gear Guts article. So, SE Standard uh, 24, so the 24 thread, the kind of classic PIRES model and the 2408, I think 08 stands for eight different sounds that you're able to get from this guitar. So there's like mm-hmm. a few dips, which is to get different kind of tones. And someone we've been fortunate to meet, Brian Ewald, makes a killer, killer demo of this guitar. His playing is just so, so good. So he would probably sell us a guitar made out of, I don't know, plastic as well, just with his playing. But, yeah. Cool addition to the SE range. I think the SE range is becoming so huge and so high quality with so many great options for all kind of guitar players that, yeah. They're going to be one of the biggest companies in like a thousand-ish Euros range. Except this isn't even like 1,000 euros. This is 729, apparently. Yeah, it's US a good dollars. deal
1: cheaper than the Silver Sky SE model. Would you choose this yeah. over the Silver Sky? Um, I'd go for the Silver Sky because it's a more
0: specific sound. I find the custom range or the standard range a little bit... I don't want to say generic, but like it lacks... Like a very strong character to me. It, it like it does a lot of things yeah. well, but it like I feel I can't like put it in a box where like okay, this guitar does this thing really well, and to me it does a lot of things really well. Like if you want to have just one guitar or you need to cover a lot of ground at your gig, I think the custom, like or SE standard or SE custom is exactly what you should go for. But I'd probably go for the Silver Sky just because it's a more like specific sound, and I have other guitars to cover other ground. Yeah. So, but yeah, the SE range, P.R.S. is just really, really good, and you're getting a high quality instrument that you can even upgrade then later. So, also an S S two custom. An S2 range is the US-made ones,
1: right? Yes. Yep. Good. But it's kind of their, their more affordable US line. Hey, look, you're on the Gear Gods page. There I am, me and Trey, showing off the Dietzel microhead. That is true. Yeah. yeah.
0: Would you go for the Silver Sky or the SE standard?
1: I would have originally thought I would definitely go for the SE standard, purely on personal taste. But you raise a really good point about the fact that the Silver Sky is kind of its own unique thing. And I have played a few PRSs in the past, which I've thought were great guitars, but in some way a little bit generic and mm. they didn't have their own character in a way that certain other guitars do so that's that's definitely in the back of my mind now but probably <laughs> because I'm not that much of a Strat expert I've got the one Strat but I'm still getting to know it if I had the choice of picking up one of those two guitars today I'd go for the SE Standard 24 mm. I yeah. note that they have it in Translucent Blue I'm, I'm sold mm.
0: yeah uh, I've been, I think I might have told this story before, but I've been really really close to buying like I think it might have been like a nine uh, a not a custom but like this P.R.S. standard twenty two frets. Uh, I think that might have even had like a fixed bridge or something like that, like that a fairly old P.R.S. Uh, standard, and I don't remember what it was. I think. I just didn't have, couldn't like gather the money, but that thing like, out of all the PRSs I've tried over the years, that one really spoke to me, and like the coil splits and everything were fantastic on that one, and it was because it was like at least twenty years old that guitar, it was like nicely beaten up and everything like that. I wish I had had the money at the time.
1: Yeah, it you should have bought it.
0: Like, like yeah, like. It was like lost black finish, but like really worn out. And it still played fantastically. So,
1: Yeah, and you would have been one of the only people in the world to have a Relic PRS, because that's something that you almost (laughs) never see. (laughs) A beaten up PRS guitar, because they're case queens most of the time.
0: Yeah, they do not, like beaten up or Relic PRS don't really exist except that one. And speaking of PRS, they introduced a new Fishman Sonitone pickup system for the acoustics. And the idea behind this is to give you like a mic'd up sound from the guitar output, that is. Yeah, the EQ in this pickup system sounds like you mic'd the guitar, says Paul Smith himself. It's very musical. Everyone here is pleased with the sound. uh coming that's coming from a ceo makes you question whether that's actually true but that's a debate for another time i guess uh but i like this like for budget friendly guitars i think the biggest issue usually is that the pickup system sounds bad which is yeah i would have with my taylor uh, for example
1: yeah my question would have been what did they have before fishman because i always thought oh, that's true from past experience, that most more affordable acoustic guitars used Fishman acoustic pickups. And perhaps mm. they did, but it wasn't the sonitone. Could be. But that's not mentioned in the article, is it? They don't mention what they had before, they just mention what they have now. But yep. yeah, I mean, Fishman uh. is the industry standard, and that's... It's a word where if you see that a guitar is fitted with a Fishman pickup, it's almost a seal of quality, in a way. Mm.
0: Yeah. It does.
1: Uh, I
0: remember trying the... When the Angelus line, so the first acoustic guitar line came out and the SE version, I think, or did I try the... Well, I think that whole range was very new at the time. I remember trying one out and the pickup system on those wasn't that amazing. Like the guitar itself played really well, but there wasn't anything like that amazing about the pickup system. I think I remember... Think of maybe swapping my Taylor for that PRS, but because it also sounded like very nasal and kind of beehivey, if you will, I ended up keeping my Taylor, which I'm happy I did because it's like the most stable acoustic guitar you would like ever want to have because it's been through so many Finnish like winters. It it just doesn't care anymore at this point. It's dry and <laughs> stable and. I can trust it and I can always replace the pickup system, which I probably want to do at some point.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately acoustic guitar pickups, it's still an area where no one's perfected it, you know, and people are happy with Fishman's and they perform really, really well for live stuff, but no one is expecting them to sound like a genuine acoustic guitar. And there are mm. more, you know, boutique options from companies like LR Bags etc but you know they're still they they're not quite perfect but for something like PRS SE guitars the, the Fishman Sonnetone is, is perfect it fits in terms of where they are in terms of budget and in terms of product mm. expectation and I'm surprised yep. they hadn't done it before yeah
0: uh I've and actually I used yeah go ahead carry on oh my way would sound uh, I had to do it sorry uh yeah I've actually like moved to using Riches shaking his head for my amazing because of my amazing singing skills. Uh anyway, I've used acoustic IRs actually with my Taylor now and that works well like the IR IR package I bought is actually for the say like the more expensive version of the same Taylor dreadnought that I have. And they have like some of the IRs are specifically tailored for like taking the like piezo sound from my guitar and then kind of running it through that IR. It makes it sound so, so much better. And it's basically like loading up an impulse response on any your on your any like any kind of IR pedal or anything like that. I was using a podcast with that and it sounded so much better. I probably need to do like a video about it. I think I had, there's one video on my channel where I take the two-notes cab M and use that to make my Taylor sound way better. I went through a bunch of IRs and compared and found the one that I like the most and then further tweaked it with the built-in EQ on that pedal. It made a gigantic difference. Mm -hmm. So There's a lot of different ways to improve. You know what? I need to write this down. like How to make your budget-friendly acoustics sound better. I'm going to write it down right now before I forget. Because, yeah, while you can give us a speech.
1: Yeah, I actually just noticed while you were speaking then that PRS have actually worked with Fishman to specifically voice these sonnetone pickups to fit with PRS's Hybrid X classical bracing on the acoustics. So, perhaps this is the story here. It's a specifically voiced mm. Fishman pickup built for these PRSE guitars.
0: That would make sense because PRS yep. is a, like the guitar, acoustic guitar's body shape is a bit different from yeah. your Taylor or your Gibson or anything like that.
1: Yeah, so there you go. So, so maybe it does, like Paul Reed Smith says, sound like you mic'd the guitar. Hmm. So, I'm looking forward to trying one of these and seeing if I'm also pleased with the sound.
0: That is very true. He says, everyone is pleased with the sound. It, it, it sounds like, you know, like a like a boss uh, joke. Like, but what are you talking about? We have no problem. Everyone is pleased with the sound. <laughs> and then there's just like a bunch of workers nodding. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and yeah, before we jump to the question of whether miming your guitar playing in front of the camera is cheating, Let's talk about the festival, Rich and I both would attend. And there's a festival coming up in 2021 called the "When We Were Young." Uh, it's it's nostalgia at its best because it's being headlined by Paramore and My Chemical Romance. <laughs> and these are bands that, when we were younger, quite a lot younger, they were like the bands on the radio and everywhere. And I kind of like both bands, at least some of the stuff they've released. Um, I liked a lot of the uh,
1: early My Chemical Romance stuff. I was never into Paramore, but yeah, they were products of their time, weren't they? And people our age, maybe a bit older, a bit younger as well, will all be thinking, this is going to be an amazing festival to go to because there are so many bands from that era who are playing yeah. and weirdly it's all taking place on the same day so imagine that there's three stages and you're going to be have to making agonizing decisions am i going to go and see paramour or am i going to go and see my chemical romance i don't know if they're playing at the same time those two but it's going to be decisions I like that it's going to be traumatic yeah there's so many yeah let's him. go through a few of the bands on the poster there can you make that poster a little bit bigger
0: Looks like I can. No, I cannot because it's an Instagram thing. Let's try it this way. No, it will not work. But there's a list of artists here. There's Avril Lavigne, Bright Eyes, AFI, The Used, Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, I guess they were big then already. Boys
1: like girls. I feel like they were, I feel like they came a little bit after, but yeah, I mean, they're still, Yeah. you know, that era. Yeah. A bit heavier than all the others, but.
0: That's true. Uh, then there's We The Kings, Alkaline Trio, Manchester Orchestra, Dance, Gavin Dance, <laughs> The All-American Rejects, Anne Berlin, how do you pronounce this? 303? 303? Atriu, The Red Is Jimmy Eat World, LA Dispute, The Wonder Years, Hawthorne Heights, Cars Eat, Headrest,
1: Wolf Alice, and many others. Yeah, Wolf yeah. Alice is another band, which are much more kind of modern than the rest of them, mm. I would say. But yeah, what a cool lineup. I hope that festival actually happens, on... but yeah. Yeah.
0: How are they going to fit all of this into one event? Like on one well, day? The
1: interesting thing is that this is reminding me very much of the Warp Tour in a way I don't know if you're familiar with the warp Tour but that was basically the mm. kind of punk touring American festival that used to hit a different city on different days and there'd be different stages and at the start of the day on the warp Tour they would always just pull the names out of a hat to see what times the bands would be playing so you might get the biggest band <laughs> playing first and the smallest band playing last or whatever but I'm guessing that's what they're going to do here they're going to have three stages there's about what 30 bands 40 bands So maybe there's going to be 10 bands per day. It goes from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., an hour slot for each of them, and that's how you'll do it. Pretty industrial. Get them in, get them out, but that'll be it. The big downside is when you start looking at the prices. $225 for the cheapest ticket, and if you want a local hotel bundle, prices start at $500, which is an awful lot of money to see bands Mm. like this, but I think at this moment in time we haven't seen gigs for a year and a half coming up to two years and if this was happening closer to us if this was in Europe if this was in Germany I'd mm. be there like a shot if it yeah, was safe exactly. to do so,
0: Yeah. Yeah I'm keeping an eye out for the upcoming like summer stuff here in Finland actually like uh, last year I was supposed to attend a festival that was cancelled like five days before it actually happened but I, yeah. like the money I spent on that Ticket can be used for this year's version. So I'm actually looking forward to that. Actually, like going yeah. to a festival. There were actually also like there's a Pori Jazz event where Toto would be playing. Kind of love to go there as well, but it was pretty expensive. I think like 150 euros or something like that. Something like yeah. It, it's Toto, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean gigs it's are gonna be getting more like, expensive now. Yeah. The you know, the whole musical touring family, from the musicians to the people behind the scenes, they need to make a bit of money because they haven't for the past couple of years. So
0: Yeah, they are think they're betting
1: on the, not cheaper. Yeah.
0: Yeah, people have also probably saved a lot of money during this time. Yeah. For stuff like this. Yeah. So and this I mean, looks like a great lineup,
1: joke. by the way. Yeah, just going back to yeah, it. it but where is Fallout Boy? That's the other band for me that <laughs> defines that kind of era and generation of bands. I'm sure that's they're busy doing point. something else. But that—that's one band which is missing from the lineup for me.
0: Uh, I kind of would love to put Weezer there as well, actually. But they're—they're they're so gigantic nowadays that maybe they don't fit this brand of. I, I would say, like, Weezer might be bigger than My Chemical Romance and Paramore nowadays. Because oh, they definitely. kind of kept chugging along. You yeah. know, a lot of these bands think, kind of regressed,
1: you know, so to speak. Weezer have been around probably 15 years longer than most of these bands. So perhaps they were like the generation before and they decided not to I feature them fear. for that reason or something. Or maybe they were just busy. Could, maybe Weezer and Fallout Boy are doing a co-headline tour on the same day somewhere else. Or whatever. I don't know. Be,
0: yeah, actually another that I think about it, I think Weezer might have started in nineties already. Like and and not like '99, yeah, yeah. but like, like mid nineties at least. So that could explain. I don't a lot.
1: even know if were Weezer around in the eighties? Surely not, but I'm gonna have to Google it. I'm pretty sure they had I, a record in ninety four up.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna check quickly because then I, Yes, active from 1992 and the blue album came in 94.
1: Yeah, there we go. So,
0: so there you go. Yeah, they've been out
1: forever. Oh wow, they were founded on the 14th of February 1992. So Valentine's Day, but also amazing that they know the exact day they were formed. <laughs> I like that.
0: Yes, exactly. I I like, I kind of like that band because they really don't care what other people think. No. And I can can appreciate that. So that's cool. But yeah, when we were young festival 2022, uh, if you're attending, please let us know. Because we're kind of a bit jealous. I don't think it's realistic for all of us to go there. But if you are able to, let us know and... Why? Let us know who is your uh, band or artist or artists you're most looking forward to seeing. Okay. It's a true nostalgia thing. Man, so many bands I rem- like, remember seeing on MTV or something like mm-hmm. channels like that when they still existed and actually played music. So yeah, that. And before we wrap up this week at Big Fridays, let's talk about something controversial. Can you mime? Is it okay, or like, is it okay to mime without playing? Let's do that. watch it, watch it, watch video. It. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. It's not like we have anything else to do. Yeah, as I mentioned. This week's weekend watch is called Live Transcribing Ichikanito, I Miss You, Modern Neo Soul Guitar. And this is by Levi Clay. And what it's basically doing is taking Ichikanito's uh, Instagram clip, YouTube clip, and transcribing it into tabs. And if you don't know who Ichikanito is, uh, we talked about him some weeks ago on the show. And he's one of the new Ibanez artists, and he's the first Japanese Ibanez artist ever, which is actually a bit weird because the company is based in Japan. But yeah, he's this... How on earth would you describe his music style besides modern and neo-soul guitar?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, actually, Levi's got that pretty spot on, modern neo-soul I'd probably... Yeah, if someone asked me who is Chica I'd say he's an Instagram guitarist and he plays yep. modern neo-soul. And, yep, you know, when you say someone's an Instagram guitarist, it kind of... It puts an impression in people's heads that he's creating short pieces which are technically impossible for normal people like you or I to probably ever be able to play. Oh, well, maybe you could, because you can do lead stuff a bit. But for me, this is the kind of music I could never... In a million years, dream of emulating myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but basically, like, first of all, hats off to Levi for being able to transcribe this kind of stuff. Well, I mean, he does it for a living, so it makes sense that he's able to do that. Yeah, uh, but and he's good at his it's, job. It's,
1: he's, a, he's an excellent ye- transcriber.
0: Yeah, and it's really interesting to follow. Uh, but the... Other side of he this particular transcription is the fact that he like was it like the first bar of the song? So like that he could immediately tell like, okay, this video has been mimed, so Ichika isn't actually playing this piece live on the video and that it's been kind of pieced together in or like edited together and he's just miming on top of that. And yeah, exactly. It's it's
1: fascinating yeah. watching Levi work on this piece, and yeah, within the first few seconds, he realizes straight away, he hears an open string and realizes that Ichi is not playing in standard tuning. He's down a half semitone, so he's in E-flat standard tuning, which is something that, you know, I would have noticed at some point if I was trying to learn this, but it would have taken me a lot, lot longer. And then Mm. within a bar or two, like you said, he's noticed that... The music that you're hearing is not what Ichika is playing on the screen there as well, because you can see that he's on the 15th fret with his first finger, if I remember, and he plays two notes and his finger stays on the 15th fret, but you can quite clearly hear in the music that he plays once on the 15th and then once on the 14th fret. So within a bar or two of this, Levi has confirmed, has proven that... This video by a Chica Nito is not a live performance and is indeed mimed.
0: Yes. Which brings us to the question, is
1: miming your playing cheating? And it's a good question. And the answer is, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> that
0: your answer was avoiding the question or avoiding the answer,
1: I guess. But, hey, I've <laughs> been I've been following a lot of the UK political situation recently, and when you listen to politicians, you realize that not answering questions is a way to get ahead in life. So that's that's what I am doing there. So but seems. yeah, this is a wide ranging question, and I feel like in general I have no problem with it under mm. most circumstances. Ichika Nito doesn't preface any of his videos with, this is a live performance of my piece, I Miss You. It's just his video. You know, every time you watch a band video on MTV, I think pretty much even when you see bands doing playthroughs on YouTube, that's probably never a live recording that you're seeing. It's probably always pre-recorded. That's just Mm -hmm. my assumption.
0: Yeah. And I mean... With the pressure that comes with being like an Instagram guitar star, something that uh, Mateus Acaro, for example, kind of talked about when he deleted his Instagram account at some point. Like, there's so much pressure being perfect. I kind of can understand that. Yeah, and, and it's Levi also known says. That 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 we, yeah. Continue. Uh it annoys me that the fact that um it's kind of the pressure comes from us, the viewers of those videos because we expect them to play perfectly every single time, and if there's mistakes in there, we complain, we comment, we put like leave dislikes and stuff like that, which is stupid, but that's what we do.
1: Yeah, and it, it can be a very contentious issue. And I think Levi goes on to say in this video that he believes that this piece was recorded bit by bit by bit, you know. So mm. expecting a Chica Nito to do a one-take performance of the whole piece is, you know, that's something that's probably not going to be able to happen. It is a very complex mm. piece and very difficult for the the average guitarist to learn. As I've said, I, I would probably never be able to learn this. And the question yeah. is is that wrong? Is that misleading his viewers? Is anyone watching Ichika Nito for live performances or are they just there to hear the music and to then think about how it was created and just enjoy his, you know, his artistic integrity? Or does he lose his artistic integrity by miming these performances? That's the deeper question. I don't Mm. think he does because he never claims that it's not mimed.
0: Yeah. That's, that's the thing, like that, and also he actually does play live as well. And I think in those situations, unless he's using like backing tracks, which I hope he's not, like if you can't do that live, then I don't care if his Instagram videos are like put together piece by piece.
1: Really, does he do live uh, stuff? I've never seen any. I'm going to have to watch uh, some of that.
0: There's a video, like at least one video on his YouTube channel, like ever, ever since we did the uh, the Ibanez signature guitar show some time ago already, I've been following him, but he's an interesting follower. Like there's a very kind of artistic side to the whole thing, he's doing like the thing that the Particular show was uh, him playing the guitar, and then he had like somebody do like a dance performance to his music, which was really cool actually and different. So it's nice. And now,
1: if his live stuff Hmm? stuff was mimed, I would have more of an issue with that if I was paying to go see him because you know, this this is a discussion that has taken place, and there are bands who mime these days, and lots of respected rock and roll bands they use backing tracks when playing live, and that is a slightly different Mm -hmm. question. But in a sense, they are miming, you know? That's something I agree with less, but I don't think it applies to the case of this specific song.
0: Yep. That is very true. And I had a point that I completely forgot just now. Oh, yeah. As someone who has also mimed a bunch of their videos, (laughs) uh, like, when I do the kind of music videos for my songs... uh, Most of the stuff, like all the rhythm tracks, for example, are mimed because I can't. Yeah, exactly. Because you,
1: you pre recorded it.
0: Yeah. Now, there's a lot of solos that are not mimed because the way I do guitar solos and a lot of my tracks is like I have the general kind of guidelines where I'm supposed to go, but pretty much every single take ends up being. Slightly different, like there's a bend here, a thing there that I do differently every single time. So those I do usually record live. But otherwise, um, yeah, just to save time. I don't think any like anyone cares if I play like a simple rock riff whether I mime it or I absolutely need to nail it on that spot.
1: Yeah, and that's the case where this is a bit different with a chicanito mm. because as you mentioned, with these Instagram guitar players, there is a huge amount of pressure on them to be technical perfection. Yep. You know, and they're, they're such short, memorable pieces of music that were he to play it a second time live and to play a couple of notes wrong or differently, people would pick up on that. This is not like yeah. improvised 12-bar blues Pentatonic soloing, <laughs> is it? This is totally it's different. Not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. And yeah. What do you guys think? Let us know on the YouTube comments, like is it cheating? Is it not? Are you okay with it in some situations and in some you would prefer it to be alive? Let us know. We would love to hear and maybe we can continue this this discussion in the next episode.
1: Yeah, as, I think we could speak yeah. about this in a bit more detail. But yeah, just to say one more thing about this specific video, yep. it's recommended by Capic Fridays as the Weekend Watch. And I do find it a fascinating video just to, to watch mm. Levi's process, how he listens to the piece, how he works out what's being played. And I learned a little bit about music theory while watching yep. this video and a little bit about how this piece was put together. And, and that was a fascinating watch. It was really good to kind of... Hear from Levi how his brain works as he's doing this, and as he's mentioned mm. many times on his channel, transcription is a great way to improve your guitar playing and your compositional skills and also your theory because you learn stuff by doing that by breaking things down by working out you know where fingers are going and what's going on and it's a very difficult skill, and I think Levi has honed it over decades of doing it and he's you know mm. he excels at it, but it's something that we could all do at time to time to to improve our own guitar playing so
0: Yeah, Yeah, Watch the video. Yeah, yeah. Like that's how I actually learned guitar. Like when I was learning guitar, I guess I could say we were learning guitar. Like guitar apps did exist, but they were absolutely awful. Like most of them were absolutely awful. And at some point, I started to hear that okay, what's the thing that's written here in the tab doesn't sound like the thing that's written like that I'm hearing on the album. And then I started to figure out, okay, how does it actually like how do you actually play all of this? And that helped me to develop my ear. And I can pick up things pretty fast nowadays when I hear something. So that's how I learned. And like I didn't always write them in tabs, but there's been cases where I also like wrote tabs of those, or like I fixed the tabs of where I was hearing like this this isn't right. Yeah. So yeah, highly, highly recommended for you to do that. And that wraps up Catwick Friday's episode forty-seven. I'm glad that we were both healthier this week. That always helps. And yeah, this
1: year can only get better in terms of health. So that's cool. <laughs>
0: that is very, very true. Unfortunately, and yeah, as we mentioned, links to everything. Yeah, in the show notes and again Trey's songwriting course. That's an affiliate link. It's there. There's Skype Studios merch. There's Thoman affiliate store stuff and links to Rich's channel. All the videos mentioned here. And well, everything's there. Why am I breaking it down? You know it's there. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for watching. And bye podcast. Bye, podcast.